Well, dear listener, thank you for uh, hmm. listening to the podcast while we were gone. Yeah. But we're back. We're back. We're back, baby. Back in action. 2021. Here we are. Oh, geez. I know, right? Can you believe it? Another year, another, whole... another beer. <laughs> Not on the premise. No, that's another podcast, Chad. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so we're back. Yeah, it's 2021, and we have got a lot of exciting interviews planned for this year. And first of all, I'd like to mention, for those of you who know, the premise is the official podcast of the San Diego Writers Festival. Gosh, I hope you know by now. I would think so. Right? I mean, unless, you, unless, of course, you skip at the beginning Possibly the middle and the end. Which is credits. entirely possible and I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, I've only worked hours, <laughs> well, minutes on that theme song. That's true. People that, that's, should listen to it. That's my you. blood, sweat, and tears right there. It's a really good theme song. You're good. <laughs> I, I love it. All right. All right. So, so, but here's the deal. We have our virtual event planned for 2021. Two days of programming. They're two weeks apart on July 17th and july 31st so check out the website at san diego writers festival.com there you go all right well we're so glad you're back i'm excited about this year we have a lot happening and today we are sharing an interview that we recorded for warwick's and as you know we work with warwick's in la jolla they are a local boutique bookstore we love to support local. Ooh, boutique even. Yeah, it's such a great bookstore. If you haven't gone in and checked it out, please do. If you're visiting San Diego, if you're out of, if you're from out of town, they just. Are if such you're a, from out of town, why are you traveling? Honestly, well, or that's your true. mask. Hey, it's COVID is <laughs> on the, its way out. Oh, hopefully. We're hoping. We're hoping. I saw some numbers went down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everyone's getting vaccines except us. Everyone but us, because we never leave our house or this podcast room. Right. <laughs> this is what we do. We just sit here and podcast all day, every day for you, dear listener. So, yeah, I, we've got another one coming up here in a couple couple seconds. Uh, this is a Warwick's author, and I hope you'll sit back and enjoy it. And don't skip the ads. Don't skip the ads. I'm kidding. There are no ads. We only have like the outro. and. Well, our ads are good, though. It's Warwick's, you know, support local. Again, the San Diego Writers Festival, which, you know, the whole point of the premise is to bring industry leaders and book authors and publishing experts to you. So yeah, the ads are important. Yeah. San Diego Writers Festival.com. All right. Until next time, enjoy this interview. Chris Whitaker is the author of Tall Oaks and All the Wicked Girls, and his most recent work, We Begin at the End, which was published in the UK last year. It's now available today here in the United States, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Chris lives in the United Kingdom with his wife and three young children. When not writing, he works part-time at a local library, where I understand you get to be surrounded by books. Sounds kind of awesome. <laughs> it is, it is. I think it's my favorite job that I've ever had. I really I'm love sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. I would have a hard time paying attention, you know? I do. And I, yeah. and I just like to grab every book that I see. You know, anything that looks halfway interesting ends up coming home with me. So yeah. I was gonna say, do you have like a like a stack of to bring home and read somewhere? I do. <laughs> I do. And then um, and then I get sent loads as well. So it's just like Oh, they're everywhere. My wife goes crazy. Books everywhere. That's awesome. Is your wife a big reader? Um, she was before the baby came along. 
<laughs> she's of course. she's big on um, sitting awake all night on <laughs> baby cries. <laughs> yeah. And so does. your baby, you had a baby in April. Is that right? I don't. I don't. Um, what, Ju- how I old is your baby right now? July. Yeah. July, so she's seven okay. months. So yeah, two teeth have appeared yesterday, which is great timing. Just as I head into this. So we were awake all, <laughs> all of last night. But, um, yeah. Well, well, you look great. Bye-bye. You don't look exhausted by teething. Or- I'm dying inside, though. So. <laughs> well, we won't torture you too much. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about We Begin at the End. It follows a convict named Vincent King, who's released from prison 30 years after being convicted for killing a seven-year-old girl. And the connection he has with the victim's 13-year-old niece, Duchess Ray uh, Duchess de Radley and the chief of police in a small California town, Vincent's former best friend, whose testimony helped send Vincent to prison. This is a gripping novel. My, my first question is, where did this story come from? How did it come to you? Right. There's a, there's kind of a, so how it came to me is also how I got into writing and it's kind mm-hmm. of a strange journey. So I'm going to take you all the way back to when I was a teenager which wasn't that long ago, Jennifer. Was <laughs> right, Go so, on. Yeah, so I was um, messed up at school. Um, didn't do well in my exams. Um, I wasn't that great at school. I just didn't concentrate. I didn't have, I didn't think about writing at all. Didn't think about writing as a career. I was a big reader, though, ever since I was a kid. But um, I went out the night before my economics exam and got really drunk and... And then missed the exam the next day. So I messed, yeah, just totally missed it. So I failed and um, couldn't go to university, which was okay because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I had friends that wanted to be doctors and lawyers and things like that. I was just one of those people that had no idea. You know, you kind of at that age, you have to choose, don't you, what you're going to be for the rest of your life. And it felt like too big of a decision. So I kind of just bounced around from job to job. Um, worked in a bakery, which I loved, worked in a supermarket, worked in loads of bars. I did loads of bartending. Also loved those jobs. And um, I was um, working as a real estate agent and I was out dropping leaflets through people's doors and um, got mugged. Someone came up to me and asked to borrow my phone. And you kind of know how it's going to go when that happens Um, because it's a strange request. And I said no. And then we kind of got into a fight. And he pulled mm. out a, ki- a kitchen knife and stabbed me a few times in the side mm. and dropped the knife. I dropped the phone. He picked up both and ran off. And I got myself to the hospital and they stitched me back together again. And so kind of all physically, all I had was some scars that I've still got now. But I like to make up, you know, stories to my kids when they see them about what happened, you know, like bitten by a shark and things like that. Wrestled a bear. Really cool <laughs> things like that. Yeah, but I am. Um, yeah, so I was patched back together again, but emotionally it was really difficult. I didn't know about PTSD and things like that, mm. and and I just didn't feel able to talk to anyone about it. My friends were the kind of friends that just slap you on the back. You know, you were did the right thing. Oh, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. dad was a bit like that. Oh, they denies it now, but he was a bit <laughs> like that. He was a bit like, you know, I'm proud of you. You kind of stood your ground. You know, I would tell my kids, I've got two sons and a daughter, I would tell all of them to run away, you know, of give course. them whatever they want and run away. And 
And then everything kind of went wrong for me at that point. I stopped sleeping, stopped eating, couldn't concentrate on anything, couldn't read a book, couldn't watch TV. Mm. Um, I went out running and would run so far that I'd have to get a bus back home. It was like just I felt really lost at the time and remember looking in a mirror and just, you know, when you don't recognise yourself or you don't want to be the person staring back at you, that's probably the best way to put it. I felt like that. And and things got really bad and, and I still didn't tell anyone and I started hoarding painkillers. And I thought mm. I'm gonna, you know, do something drastic. And I sat down to write my parents a note, just kind of to explain what had happened. And I remembered I'd got a book from the library about um, you know, therapies and things you can do at home. And one of them was a writing therapy. Mm. And you take the the incident, the traumatic incident. And you change everything about it, you know, from the characters involved to where it happened to the outcome. And and you turn it into kind of fiction. And I gave mm. it a go. And I wrote Duchess. I sat down and wrote the character of Duchess 20 years ago. Wow. She, yeah. So she kind of appeared on the page fully formed. And mm. I had this really strong, vivid image of this girl, you know, wearing clothes that didn't fit her and being bullied. And she has this name that's kind of difficult to pull off. And, and I kind of, the more I wrote, the better I felt. And so I probably spent a few months, you know, just writing a little bit and it wasn't really a story. It was kind of disjointed, just bits of, you know, paragraphs that didn't run together or anything like mm. that. But um, I was kind of projecting, you know, however I felt at the time I would give those feelings to Duchess, you know, so if I was angry, she'd be full of rage. And wow. and it really, yeah, it really helped. And kind of a year after that, I, I read an article about a stockbroker and I saw this picture in the paper and he had a Ferrari and he had this, this amazing life. And I thought that's what I'm going to do, which is ridiculous because I'm not good at maths. I messed up at school. My CV was terrible, but I marched into the city into London and um, managed to get a job, like an entry-level job, and work my way up. And things were okay, so I didn't write. I'd stopped writing by then. I'd kind of forgotten about it, just thought it was, uh, you know, just something I needed at the time, and I don't anymore, and I felt okay. And then I got a job on a trading desk, and my boss said to me on the first day, he said, if you lose $20,000, you stop trading, and then we talk about what went wrong. And so I came in on my first day and lost $2 million and yeah, and didn't tell anyone. And mm. I had a friend that worked in the back office. So I said to him, you know, keep it quiet and I'll make it back, which is ridiculous because I didn't know what I was doing. So I lost a bit more. And then I came into work one morning and um, everyone was waiting for me sitting around the boardroom table, you know, all the bosses, there were some lawyers there and, you know, I, I sat down and they said, we know what's happened. You know, we can either go to the police or you can sign something and pay us back half of it. We'll let you carry on trading because I'd started making money again at that point. So I signed it um, and went home with a million dollars of debt and I was 24 and I was engaged at the time. I didn't tell my <laughs> now wife um, just because she thought I was really successful and my parents thought I was doing really well and I liked how they saw me and yeah, like yeah. really I'd really badly screwed up 
and the wedding costs were spiraling because she didn't know we'd had any problems, you know, money problems or anything like that. So I went back to, to writing Duchess again, you know, because I felt out of control. She's your fallback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, was. she was, yeah, huh. someone I could talk to and someone I could share things with that I couldn't with anyone else. So mm. she got me through that that time you know and and her story started to evolve you know as mine did and I got to nearly 30 and I paid the debt off worked really hard you know worked Which every is shocking. hour yeah can, can, you know <laughs> wow I know so I am um, then my boss called me in to his office and offered me a promotion and I had a few weeks ago, I'd read a book called The Last Child by John Hart, which I loved. It's this amazing, amazing book. You know, crime story. It's so good. And um, I read an interview with John Hart, and he talks about how he was a successful lawyer, and he just quit to write a book. So I quit there and then, my job. Um, my wife was pregnant at the time and a student. So, <laughs> you know, I came home that day and said, oh, I'm going to be a writer. I've quit my job. And she was like, I, she knew nothing. I'd never written anything, you know, as far as she knew. So it was another crazy kind of decision. And she learned, slowly learned to love me again. But we sold our, <laughs> um, we sold our flat, our apartment and car and, and moved away. And I got working on my debut novel, Tall Oaks. Tall and, Oaks. Yeah. And then wrote another one. And then I, I wasn't going to write We Begin at the End. I, I, just thought I'll keep it, you know, I, I won't share it. And it felt, but it felt unfinished. And, mm. and I kept going back to it and I kept thinking, you know, this is too difficult. So I told my editor I was writing something and then I kept emailing her and saying, I can't finish it. It's not going to happen. It, this went on for years. And then, um, then I got together with Amy and Amy Einhorn and, and she made it into a book. And yeah, and that was a few, that was, there was still a few years worth of work that we've done on the book to get it, you know, and, to get it to this. And yeah. who is Amy? Is, is Amy your editor? Amy your is my editor. Yeah. No, she's oh, my okay. editor at, um, at Henry Holt. Yeah. And she, um, yeah, she's been amazing. The whole team have, and they've kind of helped me through it. And, mm. and now there's a finished book. Did, did it feel like it was too personal like Duchess was was too much of you that, that yeah. sharing that maybe was too it, hard yeah it does but and it's really strange because you're reading a book about a 13 year old girl you know right. set set in America set in Montana and California places I've never been to yeah a long long way away from my life and but yet to me it feels really personal which which is strange um because it's not like autobiographical or anything like that it's just you know, a year in the life of this girl and this policeman mm -hmm. and, um, and kind of a book about family and past mistakes and, and how you can outrun them. And yeah, and it's that, but it does feel that way. And it did for a long time. And I didn't, I think that's partly why I couldn't finish it and partly mm -hmm. why, you know, I didn't ever think about sharing it. You know, I was going to ask you why a 13 year old girl, but I'm going to change that question now. Mm -hmm. Do you think maybe it allowed you to let her be flawed in a more fantastic way because she was so young that maybe it was just when we reach into who we are as children, we're able to tap into something that adults don't have anymore, right? It's like yeah. it gives you almost permission. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it did feel like that. And she, um, you know, it's it's an emotive thing, isn't it? When you see a child struggling, when you see anyone struggling, you know, my instinct is that people are good and they want to help mm. and do the right thing. Mm. You know, that's how I choose to see everyone. And, and especially when it's a child, um, you know, it, it stirs up a lot of feelings. But I just, I liked that I wrote her as this, you know, you would just write her off. You know, she has, she's the sole carer to her younger brother. Her mum's an addict. You know, she, she's been written off before she's even 13, you know, as a child, yeah. she's had no real childhood and, and she's really tough, you know, and really strong. And she has this inner strength that, that I wanted, you know, that I couldn't find for a long time. And I think it's an admirable quality and, and she, yeah, she's tough and she makes these terrible decisions throughout the book, you know, and she's, she swears, she curses all the time and she's quite hard mm -hmm. to love. And um, <laughs> I've, had, I've had readers message me over here because they really don't like her, <laughs> really. They're, yeah, really? and they're just like, yeah, but they're, then they're rooting for her at the end. You of know, they're course, like, yeah. Yeah, we need her to get the ending that she deserves. But yeah. I can't, you know, she's too hard to love. She's too difficult, you know, a person. I, f I felt like Robin was sort of the humanity, like the the character Robin allows a window into who Duchess really is. She would never show the world, you know, because she's tough and she's an outlaw and, you know, she swears and she's mean and nasty. But really, Robin allows us to see who she is at her core, that she's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly was right. Yeah. And it's yeah, I was. Yeah, I always think that when I was writing her, I was like. You know, she's so tough and she's so adult in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, yeah. You get, these, you get these glimpses, these glimmers of, of the girl she could still be, you know, or could have been had she had a different life, you know. So you get mm -hmm. you get a scene where she, she's broken a bottle and she's holding the glass to someone's throat, you know, because they've, mm -hmm. they've called her mum a name. And then you yeah. get another scene where she's getting ready for her first prom and she's really nervous and vulnerable. <laughs> And I think it's those those kind of scenes that that keep you rooting for her. Yeah. And keep us moving forward. You know, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about this book as sort of bending genres because I it's a mystery. You know, it's it's, it's a crime book on the one hand, yeah. but it's really a coming of age story. It's about humanity. It's about being human. It's about how life is unfair. And there are what really captured me too, and I have to tell you this and, and thank you, is the writing. The writing was so good. You know, there's moments of sweeping, beautiful sentences that just capture you and draw you in. And then there are these short, gritty sentences that like slap you in the face and like they're jarring and abrupt, but yet you have so much humor too that sort of softens those edges and allows mm -hmm. you to get through the book, right? So I appreciate I appreciate your writing. That's more of a comment than a question. <laughs> no, that's a nice, that's a, that's a nice <laughs> compliment. And um, I'm unaware of it a lot of the time, you know, when I'm writing, how I'm changing it up kind of. I don't mm. see it until it's pointed. And I splice commas all the time, which drives the editorial team mad. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> the proofreader, the proofreader, they try and, they try, they try and correct me. And I, I know I should be corrected, but it just doesn't, it needs to read a certain way in my mind, you know. Yeah, yeah. Strictly correct. But it, but that's their job. That's what, that's, they yeah. go back and fix it. We don't, we don't have to worry about that part, right? You just, no, you just write the characters yeah. and. 
bring us along. I want to talk about Cape Haven. So this small town in California, and I live in California. And I'm also from Washington State up near Idaho and spent a lot of time in Montana. So two places that are dear to my heart. I felt like Cape Haven was a town that you had taken out of the Midwest and Mm -hmm. dropped it on the West Coast and then added East Coast sensibility. It was like everywhere and nowhere USA. Was that on purpose or was it just because you go ahead? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. It was. um, I just what I wanted to write this town that was perfect 30 years ago, you know, Mm -hmm. that was um, and now it's because Walk, the police chief in the book, is not is sick you know i say that without giving anything away and um and he was happiest when he was 15 you know and he clings on to this this 15 year old Mm. version of himself and the town is on the coast and it's slowly being eroded by the water so every now and then a part of the town or a house that he knew when he was a kid just drops into the sea and it kind of mirrors what's going on with him you know in his personal life and um and he's, yeah, he's never really moved on from that time. And he he needs, so every time someone applies to build something, you know, like a zoning thing, application or something, he will block it and right. try his hardest to block it because um, he needs to, to preserve this this time, the only real time when he was happy. And that, that time, you know, there's a short few pages of the start of the book that, um, that yeah. detail the death of a child. And, um, and that is kind of, why the book's called We Begin at the End. And because that is the end for Walk and it's the end for a lot of the characters in that story. You know, they can never mm-hmm. really get past it. And it's just the same is true for Duchess as well. She kind of, she's got this massive shadow cast over her life and mm-hmm. it was cast long before she was born and she can't really outrun it. Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, I loved that analogy of the cliff. It really did feel like it was Walk's life. He's trying to preserve this town, as you say, and yet it's slipping. It's slipping yeah. from him and there's nothing he can do about it. Did that, was that your intention from the very beginning? Was that something that was organic as you were writing that you thought, oh, I have an idea. I'll have this, the cliff slipping into the ocean, just like Walk's life. Or, you know, how did that come to be? No, it, um, I'm terrible at planning. Like I don't, um, I know, you know, I'm the worst planner. So I will, I will have my characters and I'll know how the story, I knew how the story was going to end from the very beginning. I knew how mm. it would end. And how I get between the two points is, is up for grabs as I go along. And it's why it takes so long, I think. I think I have author friends that are very good at planning, you know, and they sit down and they map out a book and they know exactly what's coming in every scene. And they know exactly how long it's going to take them to write. And they can deliver a book a year to their publisher, which publishers like. And, and I just am the complete opposite. And I wonder, because a lot of them have done courses, like creative writing courses and things like that. And I wonder if that's a skill you can learn. Because I think it's really mm. valuable. But I also... <laughs> but I don't have it, he says. <laughs> yeah. But, but it I, happened anyway. It happened anyway. Yeah, it did. But it just is... It's very long and very difficult to get. Well, let me. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Did were the cliffs already there, and then you said to yourself, "Oh my God, this is sort of an analogy for who Walk is." Like, was it happening without you realizing it, or did you did you add it later? No, yeah, no, it happened without me realizing. So I had this town, and I liked the idea of it, of it slipping away from everyone that mm. loved it, you know, and then Beautiful. losing it. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just, it kind of, it gets to a point. I mean, you're a writer, you know, you know, you get to a point, hopefully where things click, right. where something comes together and it can be mm. really late in the day. You know, it can be after years and years of work and, yeah. and it can be after you get help from the best editors in the business and things like that. But um, yeah, you keep the faith and, and it comes together. And hopefully you tell a story that people like, you know, that's the best I ever hoped for. Right, right. Can can you talk about your writing process? Yeah, so it begins, I write across three screens. So I have three big, big screens and I map out every scene before I write it. So I'll, I'll do a ton of research at the library normally. Like I'll look at maps and travel guides and nonfiction, things like that, just to get a sense of the scene I'm going to write. And then I'll have a ton of pictures up on all the screens, you know, so that I can kind of see what the characters are going to see. And then you can, it's exhausting, isn't it? I can see by your face. You're thinking, I'm really impressed. I'm like, yeah. holy, wow. And then I work on the dialogue probably for a month or so, you know, wow. for any given chapter or something. And and then I pull it together and then I write it, then I delete it, then I do it again and again and again. Yeah, until I've driven myself insane. You're the kind of person who puts a lot of pressure on yourself, aren't you? Yeah, my wife always says that. It's, um, it just, I just, I lie awake at night and worry about things, you know, like a sentence that bothers me or is this, because if it's not the absolute best that I can do, then it mm -hmm. should no, I shouldn't waste anyone's time with it. That's how mm. I see it. You know, I need to, you know, give everything to it because people are going out and spending their money on it as well, which I'm like, I'm so grateful for, you know, and, <laughs> and just growing up, you know, I used to go to the library all the time and now I work in a library and I get to shelve my book in the library and it's something that is never lost on me. You know, it feels like this, this huge privilege and um, yeah. yeah, I want to, to make the most of it. And I, I don't want to let anyone down and I want people to know how hard I tried, you know? Well, it's a beautiful book. So it's, it's Thank you. if you had told me that I just sat down and wrote it and it was easy, I would, I would be very angry <laughs> at you. <laughs> there has to be some effort in something so beautiful. Um, talk to us about how you broke into the publishing industry and how did you find your agent? How did you? Yeah, so I didn't know. I didn't know that you needed an agent. I didn't know anything about it when I quit my job and decided to become a writer. I just, um, <laughs> I, we moved to Spain because um, we wanted, because I'd left the city and we'd sold up and everything. We had a chance to go somewhere else, you know, and um, the cost of living was less and we wanted to live by the sea for a while. So we went to Spain and I got to work on Tall Oaks, um, wrote it. And then I then I started to re research that you know that you actually need an agent. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time, and and I didn't know how tough it was as well. You know the odds of getting an agent they're stacked, aren't they? They get hundreds and hundreds of submission submissions every month and sign a, a handful of writers a year, and um, and I had no, nothing to put on my cover letter because I, I went on this website and it, it's like a guide, you know, telling you what to put on, you know, tell them about the courses you've done. Tell them. And I was like, oh God, I was the trader in the city and now I've written a book. And that's what I put on my cover letter. And I pitched it as a YA book, which it isn't, it's an adult book. I just got it all wrong. Millions mm. of mistakes I made. And then I don't know how, but I got some agent offers 
And um, we went back to London and I met with a load of agents and then signed with um, WME um, in London and then followed my agent who's now with Curtis Brown. So I'm still with the same agent all these years later. She's kind of put up with me <laughs> for all these That's years. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, stuck by me. And, and then we went out on submission and yeah, it was just, I, I always wonder about it, you know, cause it, I just think sometimes you need to land on the right desk at the right time. Don't you, you just yeah. catch someone because there's so many reasons that, you know, it's so subjective and I love that about books. You know, I love when I'm in the library, I love that there is the perfect reader for every one of those books. And I love that I read a review recently of Tall Oaks and someone had given it one star. And he said, I can't believe this is the same author that wrote We Begin at the End. And I just thought it was great. I just, I don't mind it. You know, I just think, you know, it, it is, there is a book for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you are with the same agent too. Um, yeah. She's, did you ever ask her, like, what made you pick up my letter? Like, what was um, it about it that made her call you, I wonder? Yeah, so it was often the agent's assistant is the gate, gatekeeper. That's what I've discovered. Mm -hmm. so it was, That's um, true, yes. <laughs> my agent's assistant, Siobhan, who is amazing, she, um, she really liked the story. And, hmm. and then I did the thing where, you know, where you get an offer and then you message, you email the agents who have got it and just say, I'm just making you aware I've got an offer. And I think that works really well because then, you know, if someone else wants you, yeah, um, they want you. But well, is I'm, that true? You yeah, did get yeah. an offer. Yes. Yeah. 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 I had, um, yeah, I had six offers from six different, yeah, six different agents. And did, did you research them? Did you say, okay, I want these agents and you really did your homework on that? I'm going to guess did. you did. Yeah. Cause I read a lot. So I chose books that I really loved and books that mm -hmm. might be, because Tall Oaks is kind of a crime book, but it's not really. It's a, just a mm. book about a town in California, you know, and there's, it's set three months after a child goes missing. And it's, um, it's just about all the different characters. You know, you've got a couple that are struggling with divorce, uh, a boy struggling with his dad walking out and things like that. And they're all connected in some way to this crime, but it's not overtly a crime book. And, mm. and I my like agent, that. yeah, my agent that I signed with, um, she represented some some books, you know, that might not fit into certain genres. And mm. um, I thought she would be great. And she was brilliant. And we, um, nice. her office was being refurbished or something at the time. So we met in this old coffee shop in London. Mm. And um, we still talk about it now. And now it feels like we've come That's a hell awesome. of a long way. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, actually. it's really cool. And and today mm. I read on Twitter that We Begin at the End has been optioned for a TV series that Disney has, has picked it up. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's it's awesome. Yeah. It's what been, a day, huh? What a day. I know. It's been, yeah, it still hasn't sunk in. So I, so I knew it was coming because I was desperate to share it. But, you know, you can't say anything until it's released. And, and then yeah. I saw it on screen, you know, in print, and I'm going to get a copy and frame it because it's just so cool. It's just the most. That amazing. is awesome. And I'm yeah. so, so it's Tom, Tommy Kale is going to, it's him and um, Jennifer and Tommy Kale is the director of Hamilton. And I just thought mm -hmm. Hamilton was a masterpiece. You know, I just thought it was yeah. so, so good. And um, we had this, yeah, just a brilliant meeting and just clicked. And um, 
Mm. I always go with my heart on everything, you know, and gut feeling. I'm a strong believer in that. And, um, yeah. and it's felt right. And I know it was the right decision. And yeah, they're just so passionate about the story, which is lovely. That's so cool. Well, congratulations. Very, thank you. I have to say one thing. I know that when you, your, your first book, Tall Oaks, as you said, is, is based in California. And you had said to your publisher that you, you felt like you needed to travel to California and you were hoping that they would, this would be an expense. And, um, you know, so you could do research and that they had told you that your expectations were unrealistic, I believe were the words. And now here we are, your third book, you just got back from Hollywood. Your book mm -hmm. is optioned to be a TV series. Mm -hmm. It looks like maybe your expectations weren't so unrealistic after all. Yeah, yeah, and that no one will fly me over. Still, I keep asking. <laughs> yeah, really. Instead, they say they say to me, "Oh, stay up till three o'clock in the morning and do these events." <laughs> That's easier. <laughs> I think my favorite part of your story is that John Hart who wrote the book that, that you said, I, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to quit my brilliant job as, you know, in finance mm -hmm. and give it all up to be a writer, to do something I know nothing about because of this book I read by John Hart and yeah. he's going to be interviewing you yeah. about what <laughs> you begin night. at the end yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> I, I mean, and, so cool. And there's a John Hart quote on the book as well. Yes, the there is. It's very cool. Yes, there is. Yeah, so I was the most full circle. Full circle. Full circle. That is a full circle moment. Yeah, really. I want to read it. The most compelling young protagonist I've read in at least a decade. A deep and meaningful story that is an absolute delight from first page to last. And that's from John Hart, author of six New York Times bestsellers. So, really beautiful. Yeah, so he knows what he's talking about. So. Clearly, clearly. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. It's been a real honor. I love this book. I'm looking forward to recommending it to all of my friends and all of our readers in the San Diego Festival. I wish you the best of luck. And I didn't get to ask Julie, so I hope you're going to ask him what's next. I want to know what's coming. Oh, you know, I will. I will. There's lots of questions that are coming from there. You know, it's always so hard, though. That's that's one of those hard questions because it's like today's launch day and now we want something else from yeah. you. Oh, and by the way, what else do you have for us? Yeah. And by the way, what else do you have for us? Don't relax. <laughs> Although from, coming from somebody who read this, I think, last summer, I think, um, I'm ready for something new from you, Chris. So it's been a while since I read this. So, well, we'll ask it right now. What is next? Um, I'm supposed to be delivering a new book this Christmas but I like yeah I'm going to use this now in case my editor's watching to tell her that I'm going to miss my deadline by a, by a long long way no it's, it's a big I've got the idea for it and I've started writing and it's a big kind of mystery crime love story it's a big another big mm. book yeah wonderful so, love it mm -hmm. Julie well, can I squeeze Jennifer, in one more question sure go ahead you know, as I was thinking to myself, someone is going to take your characters, Duchess in particular, who, are you nervous what they're going to do with Duchess? Are you excited? I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. And especially now that I know how much Duchess is, you know, you and connected to you. So what does it feel like to know that people write a Duchess character for the world to see? Um, as in Disney, you mean? Yeah, for TV. So, yeah, so that's why I, yeah, so I had this amazing week where I was meeting lots of studios and um, 
And that's what kept me up at night, you know, agonizing over it. Who really gets it and who, you know, who's going to do the best job and who's, who just understands the character and why I wrote her. And, and yeah, no, I just have faith. And I will, you know, they've said I can be involved. So oh, I will good. myself. Yeah. So yeah. That's that gut that. feeling you were talking about. I'm yeah. sorry, what? They'll regret saying that, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time they do. They'll shove you in some back corner somewhere and go, okay, Chris, you got to go over there now. <laughs> Although maybe you'll get a cameo. A lot of authors end up in some of their shows. They end up in a cameo somewhere. So. Yeah. Well, I did ask if I could play Duchess. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, we'll think about it. Yeah. Yeah. What was that quote? Your expectations might be a little high on that. <laughs> Unrealistic. Yeah. Unrealistic a little expectations. Bit. <laughs> um, you guys talked a little bit about California, but really, I don't know if I, maybe I was distracted, but why California? Did, um, because so, it plays such a big part of your, it seems like your life and your books and everything. So why? why? Um, in my mind, it's, you know, I set the stories a long way away from where I live and where my life was, you know, where, where everything that happened to me happened. And when I sat down and wrote something, I needed to, to really get away from there. And, and when I was a kid, we went to Disney World mm-hmm. um, with my dad, me and my brother. And it was like my best childhood memory. And, and so straight away, I went back to, to the US for that. And um, it was funny because we were standing in line at Disney when I was a kid. There was a family in front of us from Montana and um, they were telling us about Montana and how beautiful it is. And, um, and the man Big said, sad. it's like switching from, from portrait to landscape. And I never forgot that. And wow. it, it, you wrote I, that in the book. Yeah. It makes it into the book. And I just yeah. thought it was such a, a great way of describing something, you know, all of a sudden there's this expanse of space yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah and, and that's what I needed for the story. That's incredible. That's awesome. And I mean, Jennifer, and I have to tell you both you and Chris, it's like I said before we started that it's like, oh, if you don't answer it, this was a fantastic interview. You guys touched on some things that were just absolutely amazing. And I, if I didn't love your book before, Chris, I love you and your book even Thank more you. now after this interview. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I know. I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, that the interview, but we do have some questions from the audience, so. Um, and Arlene has a long question, so bear with me. I'll do it in, in parts here for us. So she says, thank you, Chris, for being vulnerable and in sharing your journey. A few questions. Yeah. One, since you started writing as a therapeutic outlet, has your writing process evolved when you learned that it would be a, a published book versus keeping the writing private and personal? Um, that's a really good question. Um, it hasn't, no. It's exactly the same, and it was... It, I, I suppose I give more thought to, you know, the deadlines and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I have to do something, you know, so now I write every day, seven days a week, you know, even if it's just a few paragraphs or something, I will write something every day. Um, whereas before I only wrote when I felt like I really needed to. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, I write more now because I love it as well. You know, someone asked me the other day, what's the best advice you've ever been given? you know, to do with writing. And um, my agent said, um, just, you know, if you're not enjoying it, you're doing something wrong. And 
And I, yeah, I've always carried that with me because mm. sometimes, you know, when a deadline is looming and you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders and you forget why you do it, you know, you just need to take a breath. And, you know, I'm very lucky to get to tell stories that yeah. people read. You know? I, love I mean, it. you have to treat it as a job because it is a job, but you have to love the job. Yeah. There yeah, is, there is that, that there's that, you know, reconciling that you have to do with yourself about it. Yeah, that's right. It's like working in a library or being a bookseller or, you know, you need that passion. Right. You, know? you have to. Okay. So to continue with Arlene's questions and Arlene always asks some fantastic questions. So um, her, the next part of her question is what was the most challenging and inspiring parts for you in writing this? Um, probably the most challenging was Duchess just turning her into, you know, a character instead of just a series of notes and things. And of the years it took to write it, um, most of it was Duchess and probably a solid year was just her dialogue, you know, going over and over and over again till, till it felt right, you know. Um, and the second part of the question was the most... Um, what, uh, the inspiring, what's the most challenging and expiring parts for you when you're writing? Inspiring is always messages from readers, you know, people that have read it read the book that really enjoy it or even the people that don't enjoy it, but they feel that, you know, they reach out to me and I like that. Do you uh, like it? Because I always feel like, why do people tell somebody they don't like something? It's like saying if your baby's ugly or something. It's like, <laughs> why would somebody do that? I know they, I've, I've learned to be fine with it. I've got very thick skin, you know, I can take it, but, um, because I know there is a reader out there for me, for my book, and I've just missed on this particular occasion. But they feel passionate enough about the story to, to contact me. Yeah. So you reached them somehow, some way. You got a reaction. Yeah, even if I'm just annoying them. Yeah, got- <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of I like to annoy people, so that's a little satisfactory, <laughs> too. <laughs> okay, so the third part of Arlene's question is, how did it feel when you finished the book? Do you miss the characters? How do you transition from a finished book to a new project? And she thanks you and she can't wait to own this book and read it. So again, how do you feel when you finish? Do you miss the characters and the transition? Yeah, I struggle to finish. I don't like, I never write the end ever. Um, I I just think of it in my head that this is a snapshot of their lives for one year. You know, they went on before they'll go on after. Um, yeah, it's um, it's really difficult. And moving on to something else is, you know, I like that part where you stare at a blank page and you've got to get from there to 100,000 words, you know, and do it in a dazzling way, you know, that's going to make people feel something. Or, yeah, I really enjoy that part of it. So I'm okay with it. Um, it's the bit in the middle that I struggle with. You know? <laughs> when you're halfway through and you've no idea where it's going or how you're going to get to the end or... Yeah, it's tough. Do you write yourself into corners sometimes and have to like throw away 50,000 words no. or something? God, yeah, God, no. Yeah, that is my, that is, yeah, that is my signature move. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, two or three books I'll write to, to get one. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely fantastic. We are so excited for you to sell this book, um, everything. I just can't thank everybody at Henry Holt for allowing us to do this. Jennifer, real quick, tell us where um, I believe this will end. This this will end up on the Pem- Premise podcast at some point too, perhaps? 
That's right. That's right. We will air this interview on the premise. People can find us on Twitter at pod premise and people can follow me on Twitter at Jennifer Grace. Perfect. And then Chris, your Twitter handle's a little different. So there, because I looked for you and there's a lot of Chris Whitakers out there. So I'm there imagining that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, mine is witty author with an H, but it's because my, it's not because I'm funny. It's because my, um, because my nickname growing up was witty because my surname is oh. witty and that's it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. Again, you can order the book. Um, it's in the chat. Go to warwicks.com. Um, Chris and Jennifer, I can't, I, this is why I love my job for interviews like this and reading books like you wrote and Chris. So thank you. I appreciate it very much. Festival.com.